Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy Friday. It is the Friday after Thanksgiving and I am excited for the day off, right? The day off to do absolutely nothing. Um, I am going to a play though later on tonight, but nonetheless, no work to be done, no blogs to be written. Everything's already pre-done. I'm really proud of myself. So I hope that you and your family and whatever your family may consist of, it could consist of yourself. You may have spent time with your extended family. Maybe you decided to eat a bowl of cereal by yourself. Let me tell you, I would rather eat a bowl of cereal by myself than to eat with anyone that's going to get on my last and final nerves, right? And that's just the truth. Sometimes we do all these different, you know, things with you know, meeting with family, meeting with friends and doing all these other things. But reality is sometimes they are just way more than it. It's just way more than it needs to be. So for that, I am so excited to be here and have this great conversation for today. Today's episode may get a little heavy. I do apologize ahead of time, but I do not apologize for the content. When we have these conversations, sometimes we have conversations that are like, yes, and we want to have fun and celebrate and be excited. Then there are those conversations that we have to have that are more serious in nature that allow us to understand about ourselves and about helping others, someone else who may be going through. And today is no exception. Today we have a guest. Her name is Jenny Lisk. Jenny Lisk is an award-winning author and widowed mom who is dedicated to helping widowed parents increase their family's well-being. In her book, Future Widow, Jenny draws on her personal and professional experience to provide a real-life guide for surviving and thriving while raising grieving children. As host of the Widow Parent Podcast, Jenny has done more than 100 interviews with expert, seasoned widow parents, and people who have lost a parent at a young age. Her podcast brings much-needed resources to parents, helping them feel less lost and alone. So we are going to have Jenny come in a little later and just talk about her experience of losing her husband, unfortunately, and becoming a widow parent. What it was like for her, because, you know, while he was in the midst of being sick, she became um, a single parent in a sense to where he wasn't able to be as participatory um, as he once was. And I find this particular Jenny to be completely refreshing because sometimes we go through some of the hardest things and when we're in the midst of it, we don't really see, you know, light on the other tunnel. We don't see that way out of it. But Jenny has taken this situation and is allowing herself to be used as a vessel to help somebody else. So if you have unfortunately um, become a widow um, and you're grieving and you have children that you have to take care of and you're, and you're raising them in their midst of their grief, this is a great episode. And let's say you're not in that place right now. I'm going to tell you something that my mother told me. 
She said, when I got engaged, she said, listen, being married is a beautiful thing, but it comes with work. But you never know at any given point when you may become a single mother. And she didn't say that because she thought that my husband was going to run off and not take care of his responsibilities. She didn't say that to be malicious and or have any bad intent. What she was telling me was, is that when you start to invite yourself to open up to marriage and loving someone, because you may not necessarily have to marry someone, you could be in a long-term relationship with someone and you take on love, love is very overwhelming and overcoming and it just fills your whole space. But that space can be easily, you know, changed in a blink of an eye. Anything could happen. And so that was my mom's, you know, advice to me when I got in, when I got engaged. She told me the real, you know, we don't always think about what life would be like without our spouses. And unfortunately, it's a hard thing to even fathom. Like you don't want to be in that thought process. You don't want to think about it. A lot of people don't, right? And we don't prepare for the future for when our spouses are no longer with us. We tend to just think that life will just flow and there'll never, you know, be anything that could ever disrupt it. But the reality of it is, is that unfortunately, we all unfortunately will deal with some sort of loss. And Jenny is here to talk about how she was able to not only go through this extreme loss, but how she was able to help support her children, help support herself and the things that she's done, the support that she needed and the support that she's giving for other people. Also, in the end of the show notes, make sure you click on her, even if you have not lost a spouse or someone that is, um, you know, of a relationship to you as well. But if you ever have had anybody that has grieved, there is a resource that you can get. It's a free guide and you can click on that so that you can figure out how do you support the person who is going through, maybe you haven't lost a spouse, but you had a friend who may have lost a, a family member or somebody close to them. And you're wondering how can you support them? Please click on that free guide. It's in our show notes because you're going to want to be prepared. Again, these conversations are of heavy nature today. They're not always in that same token, but again, sometimes we have to have these difficult conversations because we have to be able to one, uplift someone else to help somebody else. And a reality is that life is happening. And because life happens, we want to make sure that we can support that when life happens. So without any further ado, Jenny, welcome to the Conversations with Toy family. All right, welcome to another Friday to my Conversations with Toy family. We are so grateful to have you here. Um, also, I'm hoping that you had a great Thanksgiving um, holiday, but we, what we're going to talk about is actually very, 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 in my personal opinion, in line with the holidays. A lot of times when the holidays come around, you know, people expect everybody to be jolly and Joe, but there are people that have real life situations going on in their life that are very difficult. And when the holidays come around, it's very hard for people who have had loss or who are dealing with whatever they are dealing with. Like for me last year, I was in therapy on Thanksgiving morning, right after putting the turkey in the oven. So I'm very, very, um, empathetic when people have whatever life challenges that they may be dealing with. Well, today is no different. Today we have Miss Jenny Lisk. She is here to talk about her, her situation and her grieving with her loss of her husband. And she has wrote 
an amazing book that we're going to discuss. Not only that, she's also helping other widows who may not understand what they may go through. I find that to be really refreshing. I'm always trying to listen to when people share their stories, because in sharing their stories, even in the most difficult times, I feel like it's a way for us to empower other people to become better in the areas that we probably floundered in. Um, so Jenny, we're so grateful to have you here. I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell your story and introduce yourself the way you want to be introduced. Okay, terrific. Thanks, Toy. Well, it's great to be here. And thank you for uh, having me on your show this week. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, well, um, I mean, to make a long story short, I have a podcast for widowed parents and I wrote a book and you probably want to know how I got in that uh, <laughs> in that situation because I sure didn't plan on this. Uh, it was six years ago right now, actually, I was in the middle of my husband's brain cancer. Um, he was sick for eight months. And, you know, it started in the most unremarkable way that you can imagine. He just, he said, hey, I've been feeling a little dizzy, hmm. right? A little dizzy. I mean, pff, maybe he's dehydrated. I don't know, right? I mean, it just didn't seem like a big deal. I wasn't expecting from that conversation to be like, this time next year, I'm going to be a widowed parent, Right. Like that never entered my mind. Uh, so you can imagine how shocked I was when when we go to the primary care doctor and he does an MRI and he says, there's something really wrong with your brain and you need to see the neurosurgeon tomorrow. And we see the neurosurgeon and he says, well, we're going to do brain surgery the following day. Uh, you know, I mean, I've had knee surgeries and things. This, this doesn't usually happen that fast, right? Exactly. So all of a sudden, so I'm sitting there, I'm staring at the ceiling in the little exam room, right? I'm sitting on the little visitor bench and I'm saying, are we really having this discussion? Like I look back, I close my eyes, I put my head back. And I'm like, no, like, no, this is not my life. Right. Right. Like, where did this come from? This is just like out of the blue. Boom. Right. Um, and so he then had brain surgery and then they, because at first it was like, well, it's a brain tumor. Right. Okay. Well, tumor could be cancerous or not cancerous. It could be different types, some of which are more aggressive or more deadly than others. Right. Some can be more likely uh, dealt with, you know, some right. can't be. Anyway, he had a very aggressive type called glioblastoma and he was sick for eight months and I was his caregiver during that time. And my our kids were, were eight and ten and then they turned nine and eleven and then he died. And, you know, hospice and all this stuff where right? we went through all of that. And I, from the beginning, was, was basically a single parent because, so this particular brain cancer affects people differently depending on where in the brain it is. And in his case, it affected him cognitively. And mm -hmm. so he was just not, you know, doing normal adulting things, right? He wasn't parenting. He wasn't working. He wasn't, he needed to be cared for, right? Right. So, and then he died. And then I was for real, uh, an, you know, an only parent. Um, and that was the start of like, how, what do I do? How do I do this? Right. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't expect this. Um, I feel lost. And, and then I realized there had to be other widowed parents like me who felt lost. Right. I went to Amazon. I typed in like, where's the book that I could find to tell me how to be a widowed parent. Right. I couldn't find that book. And so I decided to start a podcast to, I realized that if I went out and interviewed people and looked for information for myself, mm -hmm. that I could stand in the place of my listeners in these interviews and ask questions on their behalf 
right? And and find information that I needed that also could then help, you know, a lot of hopefully other widow parents um, as well. So that's how it all started. And it was three years ago right now, which is crazy to think about. Um, November is Children's Grief Awareness Month. And so that's when I had started it back in 2018. Well, it's amazing to me, you know, that again, you had a lot on your plate, a mm. lot on your mm. plate, because like you said, from the very beginning, rather, you know, when he was here, you still at that time were a single parent because you had to take on the roles of both parents and then also be his caregiver. I can't even imagine the amount of stress, the amount of everything that you had to be going through at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, like, and I, and I, and I get that it was probably hard, but like you turned this around and decided to be a voice for other people. Like that says a lot about who you are because you were willing to take this really, you know, bad situation and say, let's help someone else. And when you first started out, like, how was that process for you starting out? Like, was it therapeutic for you? Was, was there ups and downs with like starting this podcast and talking to other people? Did you find that you went home or like after the podcast, you know, aired, or maybe while you were recording it, like, did it bring up your own feelings? Like, how did you process that? Mm. You know, it's funny. I spent a long time struggling with like, why me? Why, why am I the one to host this podcast? Right? Like I had this idea. I thought it was a good one because I thought there was a need. Right. Right. But then I was like, ah, like, and so, you know, so I started doing things, right? Like I got someone to make the the show artwork, you know, the graphic for the iTunes page. And I, right. and I, and I came up with a name and I got intro music, and, but I was still struggling with like, ah, and people were telling me, you know, well, you have experience, you know, people want to hear you. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a right. grief expert. I'm not a parenting expert. I'm like, why me? Why am I, why does anybody want to listen to me on this, on this topic? And and finally, I realized that I was looking at it the wrong way, that I was feeling like I couldn't host a podcast unless I was somehow like the expert or, you know, if I was the one bringing expertise to the podcast. Right. And I realized that actually the reason people would want to listen to me, it was the exact opposite because I was not the expert because I could stand in their place behind the mic and my guest could be the expert, Right. I could pick guests that had something that was either important information or helpful information or inspiring stories or interesting reflections, whatever the case may be. The guest could be the one bringing their expertise and their story. And I could be the one who was asking them questions as a fellow widowed parent. Right. Right. And so once I realized that. Then everything clicked and I started, you know, booking guests and doing stuff. And so I guess your question was, how then was that process? And so I had my first interview. And I, by the way, I had never interviewed anybody ever for anything. Right. Right. Gosh, how do I, how do I do this? Right. Like I, I, you know, I didn't, and I didn't want to just, you know, get someone on and say, all right, you know, you just start talking and we'll just see if you see anything interesting. Right? Like I, I wanted it to be a little more well, you know, dialogue. Right. Yeah. And more useful. I wanted to produce a show that would end up being um, useful to listeners. Cause otherwise, why were they going to listen? Right. And so I was like, well, who's the best interviewer that I can think of? Well, of course I thought of Terry gross from fresh air. So hmm. I was like, all right. So I Googled how to interview like Terry gross. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I read there was like a like a super long New York Times profile where she was talking about how she approaches her work and you know all this stuff. And I read a couple other, and I was like, okay, if I can get a couple ideas from there to think about, you know, how to approach the the interviews, that was super helpful. And then so I had the first interview, and I was I was trying to interview a friend for the first interview because one of my neighbors was a widowed parent and she'd been widowed for like ten years, and so I thought, well, she'll be good to start with because right. If I screw up or if I forget to push record or whatever, I can probably say, go back. sorry, we got to do it again. Right. But just because of the way the scheduling happened, like at, she ended up being second and I interviewed a complete stranger first. So I had this first interview and I you know, got on with her and I, I forgot to notice what time we started. Um, so we started talking. We had this great discussion. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my gosh, have we been talking for like 20 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's I got well, the conversation when you have that big, easy flow. Yeah, I had no idea. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just ask a couple more questions and then wrap it up. <laughs> and it was it, it was pretty long. It was like an hour and 10 minutes, maybe I was over an hour. Anyway, uh, when I got off, you know, when I, I hung up from that interview, I was like, Wow okay, like this, this is what I should be doing, right? Like it just, everything was aligned. You know, it was, it was interesting for me, but most importantly, I could see how it would, how these discussions would bring value and, and comfort to my listeners and a feeling of being less alone. Cause that's one of the things that widowed parents often say, they don't know anybody in their circles in their neighborhood their kids school community whatever who's widowed with kids or teenagers right if they know somebody who's widowed it's you know their parents friends or you know older people or whatever and they they think they're the only people who are widowed who have young kids or teens and it's not true there's actually sadly there's tons of us but it's kind of a hidden club you know or a club so, that people don't necessarily want to be a part of. Either. Oh, well, that's entirely true. Yes, right. No, you don't, <laughs> exactly. you don't necessarily be a part of that club. Right. But if you have to be in it, then it's helpfully helpful to find people who, right, are in a similar situation. Even if your types of loss are different, right? You have, you know, different, you know, sudden loss, illness loss, accident loss, you know, this or that, kids are this age or that age, you know. Um, and so a lot of listeners tell me that, you know, they do feel alone in their in their personal circles and so listening then to people's stories um is helpful to know you know hear how other people have how things have gone what they've done what they wish they knew whatever um so i just you know for me after that first interview i was like okay this is it this is you know this is what i'm doing um and it felt like it was helping bring some kind of meaning maybe to i mean i was in the situation and i couldn't change the situation i was in right so what am I going to do about it? Right. Well, I was going to go and, you know, try to do something in the space of widowed parenting, which started with, with the podcast and now has become the book. And I have some other books in mind and um, it's just, yeah, it's been, you know, it might sound strange to say it's been fun, um, but it has been. So I'm grateful for that. Again, and like I said, even in the introduction, like people don't understand how much storytelling is so powerful Mm. and being able to be vulnerable and sharing your story. Because again, I I honestly believe that sharing your story will help someone else. You wrote the book, Future Widow. What are at least two things that someone who is 
maybe not widowed yet, or somebody who may be in the beginning process of being widowed, they are not aware of something that you didn't know. Cause I know that's what you wrote the book. It was like the guy for other people to know the things that you didn't know in, the, in your walk and with your um, beginning stages of going through, what are two things, at least from the book that you can share with the audience about what they may need to understand with being a widowed parent? Because that has, again, the amount of stress and pain that you're dealing with has to be hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, so what I did was, because I've learned so much from my guests on the podcast, I thought about, you know, okay, what do I wish I had known during those eight months that my husband was sick? And let me go back and add in. So the so the books, it, the, the backbone of it is the Carrying Bridge journal entries that I had that I was sharing out you know, documenting our experience. And then I went and added reflections and backstory and stuff that maybe I wasn't ready to share at the time. Okay. Now I I added in, right. Including those lessons. And so one of them is how important it is to be honest with kids, even with difficult topics. So um, this is fascinating because I think it's, so everybody wants to protect their kids, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the tricky question, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to how do you protect them? Right. Like right. everybody can agree. Okay. Well, yes, we should protect them, but then take that next step. What, how do you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I learned from one of my guests, her name is Lauren Schneider and she runs the programs at our house grief support center in Los Angeles is, is how important it is to be honest with kids. And so a lot of times you'll see, for example, um, in a case where there's a suicide, people will often tell children a cover story. It was a car accident. It was a heart attack. It was something else that seems less. I mean, it's all hard to talk about, right? But somehow it seems less hard maybe to blame it on something besides suicide. Right. The problem then, and they do it in the best interest. They think they're protecting them because talking about suicide is too hard. And it is hard. Right. The problem is they will eventually find out. Hmm. Whether it is because... Um, they hear adults, you know, whispered voices. And then as soon as they walk in the room, everyone shuts up and seems awkward. And, they, and they're like, eh, there's something because kids are smart. They're perceptive, right? That's something true. seems off here. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with the story that's not adding up. You know, maybe they'll hear from other kids on the playground because maybe other parents you know, are talking about it amongst in their house. Right. Right. And they don't know that those kids don't know or something. Maybe so in some cases, you know, depending on the situation, it might've been covered in the, in the local newspaper. And then maybe at some point the kid gets old enough to start Googling things and they find out that way. Maybe at some point you just decide, well, when they're X years old, I will tell them the truth. And so, you know, maybe they find out eventually because you decide that now they're whatever age and you tell them whatever it is. When they eventually figure it out, it breaks that bond of trust with the surviving Mm -hmm. parent. And the bond of trust between the surviving parent and the kid is really, really important, both for its own sake, because that's, you know, that's the adult that has, you know, that this kid needs to know. One parent's dead. Right. right? That final connect. Right. Right. And the kid needs to know that the surviving parent is there and has their back and, you know, and isn't lying to them. And the other thing about it that's really interesting is that that, um, you know, kind of early trusting relationship ends up forming the pattern for future intimate relationships. So whether it's future partners, future close friends, future people that you want to be emotionally intimate with, if you've had this pattern early where the 
parent that they're supposed to be emotionally close with has lied to them, it, it like causes a problem down the road with future intimate relationships. So that is, was really interesting to me because that wasn't something that I just knew intuitively. Right. Right. And my uh, first perspective would be to protect. And again, we te- protect with information as we feel like they're not old enough to understand or they it may cause more questions and more answers that you may not have. So I as a parent, I definitely understand that for yeah. sure. Well, and so and that gets to, to the second point you asked for, for, for two things, you know, that it's it's OK not to have all the answers. Mm. And it's hard because you feel like, oh, no, if I bring up x whatever x is they might ask questions that i don't know the answer to and then what am i going to do and then it's gonna you know you feel awkward so then you stay away from the whole thing and it turns out that you know it's okay to say that's a really great question thank you for asking it i don't know and then depending on what the question was it could be like i don't know but we're seeing the doctor in two weeks for a new um, you know, scan and we'll, we'll have more information then. And I'll let you know, as soon as I know something, mm-hmm. um, it could be a question then where the answer is like, you know, I don't know how cancer works in the body, but if you're interested, we could, we could, you know, Google it and do a little science learning together. Right. Like if it's that kind of question, right. Um, if it's a question like, you know, why did dad have to die? Mm. Well, there isn't really an answer to that. So instead of, you know, trying to make up one. Well, yeah, instead of, yeah, instead of trying to make up an answer or instead of being afraid of the question and therefore trying to stay away for as far away as possible and to hope that question doesn't come up, that it's okay to say, I don't know why he had to die, you know, and yes, this is hard. Yes, this sucks. You know, I can tell that you miss him. How is this for you? Or something where you're connecting, you figure out like how to connect around the underlying emotion, right? I miss him. What do you miss about him? This is hard for me. How is this for you? Like something where you're, you know, so there's no like answer, quote unquote. Now listeners can't see I'm doing air quotes, right? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just because there's not an actual answer. Right. But it's, doesn't, it yields a discussion. Yeah. It can be an opening to 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 a discussion and even if the kid doesn't want to bite then they they say i don't want to talk about it you know this is dumb or or, this is too hard or whatever they don't want to talk about it um that's still okay because you're sending a message these topics are not off limits right we can talk about hard things you don't want to talk about it today that's fine maybe you want to talk about it next week or next year or you know, whenever it's like sending that message that, you know, yes, we can talk about these things because it turns out that a lot of kids also are afraid of upsetting their surviving parent. Mm. Right. And so maybe they don't, they may be sad and they may be struggling and they may be having some emotions around it and they end up maybe struggling alone because they don't want to bring it up because they're afraid they'll upset that surviving parent. So it's, it's important for the parent to kind of be aware that that could be, you know, a thing and, and try to be sending the message that, you know, yes, we can talk about this. And so, like I said, even if they don't want to talk about it today, you're still sending that message, um, you know, that when they are ready, it's absolutely not off limits. 
Yeah. And everything that you're saying makes sense because I'm putting myself in a situation where I'm thinking about the time when my mother-in-law passed and the questions that we had with our children mm. um, because she was extremely close to them. And now I'm, I'm revisiting that moment. So those, those beginning moments. And I'm thinking you're 1000% correct. Like the whole being honest and like, especially with like the children, when you said last about the children, not wanting to upset my, it was my husband's mother and they didn't want to make him upset because right. it felt like bringing her up, talking about her, um, even though we did things like get them therapy and things of that sort, they felt like they could talk about it there, but they didn't want to bring it home because they felt like talking with us would then cause an emotional outburst or they were just afraid of that big emotion. And so that right. makes perfect, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, and so, and so therapy, you mentioned that can be a great, you know, depending on, on the kid and the situation, whatever therapy can be a great option. And another great option is, is there are grief support programs in many communities around the country, um, like kids and family grief centers where they run a lot of more peer grief groups, you know, and they have groups for little kids and teenagers and young adults sometimes and adults, parents, and you, they get, you know, kids together with other kids in their age. Usually it's if they've lost a parent or a sibling, you know, someone in their immediate. Sometimes, sometimes people have lost grandparents as well. It kind of depends, you know, on a lot of things. But um, that can be a really helpful form of support as well, because a lot of those kids feel alone, right? None of their classmates have a dead mom or a dead dad. Right. And so being with other kids who do, who get it. And, you know, some of the stuff they do is grief related. And some of the stuff they do is like fun related, like, you know, let's have pizza night and maybe, you know, we'll be talking and laughing and then we'll be doing something talking or candle ceremony or you know, something about grief related. And then maybe we'll be watching a movie and then, you know, so it's kind of a mixture of, of um, support and learning how to integrate grief in healthy ways um, and also just being with other kids who, who get it, who have, you know, coming from a similar life experience. Well, I love your, your, the talk about support. What are some of the things that you have done um, with your, you know, healing process, but in addition to that, just in life in general, like how do you take care of yourself? Cause you have your children that you're taking care of. You may have the emotions and things cause it never, I'm sure it never heals. I'm sure it's like, you know, up and down and has this, you know, good moments and bad. What are the things that you personally do um, that may be a great suggestion for somebody else listening, but just the things that you do that could encourage somebody else to like lean in a little bit to taking care of themselves during these difficult times. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and it's, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned about it never going away. There's a really interesting book called The After Grief by Hope Edelman. And so if any of your listeners are interested in hearing uh, reading about the kind of the impacts of grief over a lifetime, um, that's a really interesting book just came out last year. And she originally had done a bunch of research into motherless daughters. Hmm. And, and uh, so she went back and interviewed some of those people 20 years later. And anyway, I can't say enough good things about that book. But uh, <laughs> And speaking of books, so one of the things that I have done is reading, right? Um, I, you know, it's interesting because I talk to people and it seems like they're in one of two camps. Either they read every book, like grieving people, they read every book they can find. Right. And like, give me more. Or they're like, I have grief brain or widow brain. I can't sit down and read a book to save my life. Right. Hmm. But sometimes in that case, audiobooks can be a great option. Right. Um, so anyway, there are a lot of really... Um, good books and you know the you might consider two types of books like 
nonfiction books, like information, like the after grief that I just mentioned, or there's a really good book about anxiety and grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so books on topics and then there's um, memoirs. And a lot of people say that reading um, other people's stories and experiences, and you know, you find some of yourself in that story or you get some ideas or some reflections that help you by process your own journey by reading other people's stories. So that's one thing that I've done. Um, I found a therapist that was terrific. Um, and you know, saw her. So I'll just start again. So I, and I also found a therapist who's terrific. Um, and you know, I reached the point where I was like, cause I was doing a lot of walking, walking and thinking, um, sometimes, well, oftentimes walking by myself and thinking, and maybe even thinking about some of the books that I had read and then walking and using that time to think about, you know, my reflections on that, sometimes walking with friends or people that I could talk with. And then I reached a point where I was like, you know, I'm having all these flashbacks. I'm sitting here. I was, I was working from home at the time, um, you know, at my computer, not 10 feet away from my husband's urn. Right. And then I'd, I'd see it. And then I'd have flashbacks about the funeral and about the ER visits and all these things. And so that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to find a therapist and you know, start processing some of that. So that was really helpful. Um, there's some other, there's some really cool things. Like there's a, a, a thing called Camp Widow. Oh, okay. which you may not have heard of. It's really cool. Um, and it's not camping. Uh, it's, <laughs> okay. it's at the, like the Hilton or the, I don't know, some fancy hotel. And the, they do a big one in San Diego every year. And then they also, they do one in uh, Florida somewhere and in Toronto. Um, so they do it three times a year and it's like a, it's like a conference for okay. widows, but calling it camp widow sounds a lot cooler. And yeah, but speaking no, but of, you're also yeah. or something. <laughs> but speaking of, you know, connecting with other people, right. Everyone there is widowed. Um, it's, you know, it's probably more women than men, but there are men there. Men are very welcome. And also they have a very expansive definition of widowed. So anybody who's lost a partner. So sometimes it's fiancés. Sometimes it's, you know, long-term partners, you know, uh, as well as, you know, people who are married or lost their spouse. Um, it's, uh, you know, they have workshops and speakers and they have, a, you know, dinners. And you, so then you, you talk to other people, even if you're right. laughing because you're talking about some crazy thing. And then two minutes later, you're ta- you're, someone's crying because you're talking about something. And then two minutes later, someone's laughing again because you're talking about something else, right? I mean, it's just, a, it's a really nice to be in a community like that. Um, so there are a lot of really good, you know, support options and there, of course there are Facebook groups and some of them are very active, um, with people. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of good options out there. I'm not saying it's easy, right. I'm just saying there is support. And that's, what's important you know, a lot of things are not easy, but, and God forbid, you know, losing a spouse, I couldn't imagine, but I know for a fact, like having support matters in, in your d- tough times. Now that we're in the full-blown holiday mode, how do you approach the holidays? Is there something that you do? Is there a tradition that you may have, you know, uh, brought into your life? Like, what are you doing to, you know, not necessarily get through the holidays, but to enjoy the holidays, to be present in the holidays? How do you do that? Excuse me. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. The well, funny is not the right word. Uh, the first year, because uh, he died in in January of 2016. Okay. Um, the first year, I had a headache 
like an actual literal headache from like Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas, New Year's until January 8th, the day that he died. Hmm. And then the next day, the headache was gone. Wow. It was the strangest thing. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> because, and it's some, you know, and I was at kind of approaching that first anniversary. And, and also I was flashing back like this time last year, we were doing this. Mm-hmm. This time last year, that happened. Right. Like, um, and so for me, those moments. yeah. And so for me, that first year was probably the, the hardest. It's kind of like, all right, just, and I don't know about you, I don't do very well with a headache. Right. Like, no. I'm just like, all right, just like buckle down, get through. Right. Um, but interestingly, the second year, third year, et cetera, I didn't get that headache. Um, but they say, you know, people say all the time that the body knows these things. And like, people will, will say when somebody's death anniversary is approaching or, or maybe, you know, a a birthday or something else that they, that they, their body knows, like they get things like a headache or other, you know, might be other things for other people. Um, you know, I, uh, we, we try to do, well, in fact, we're going to go get our Christmas tree, I think next weekend and well, let's see, but then I always remember the first, so the, mm-hmm. that first Christmas he was sick and he was bedridden. So he wasn't coming with us to get a Christmas tree. Right. Um, but like I said, you know, I was kind of instantly a single parent. So I was like, well, and the kids were little, right. They were nine and 11. So I'm like, I'm not going to not make them food. skip Christmas or something. Right. Right. So I remember I got somebody, probably a caregiver or somebody, maybe it was a family or friend to, to watch, to stay here at the house with him. Cause he couldn't, like, I couldn't leave unless there was somebody here, um, taking the kids to get a tree. And it was a tree. We used to go to this place where we would cut down the tree ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, wow, this is my first kind of big single mom thing. Right. Like, here I am, and here's my two kids, and I'm almost a single mom, and this is going to be my Christmas tree situation for the next who knows how many years, right? And and I remember very – I didn't say anything to anybody or to the kids, but I remember thinking to myself, like, huh, this is a little preview, you know, of what it's going to be like. Now, since then, we've, we don't go to the place where we cut down the tree. We go to the, oh, okay. the lot where they, you know, we're like, we pick the tree and then, they just you know, put it up on the, right. they put it on the car for us and we bring it home and <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> that makes and, it a little easier, right? Yeah. And, you know, so some of that is like to the theme of trying to simplify, right? Like, like trying to not make myself crazy even by saying, well, we used to do this and this and this and this and this. So we have to do everything all the same way. But, you know, now there's only one adult to do things instead of two adults and, you know, even though the kids are like they're 15 and 17 now, so they're old enough to do things, do things, but still. Right. And even in system of two, like letting other people help. Right. Like, like my son, the 17 year old, he loves to do the lights on the outside of the house, you know, and the, the trees and the roof line and everything. Right. And my dad likes to do that because he's been doing it for decades. Mm-hmm. And so my dad comes over and brings his big ladder and he and my son go out there and they do the, the lights um, you know, and so it's, so, and so that's me like kind of like letting the two of them do that together and not saying like, I need to be involved in everything, right. um, which is helpful. And then I do, you know, do some of the indoor decorating and actually my son likes to help with that too. So he'll probably help with, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, but you know, it's, um, yeah, picking and, you know, picking the things that, that feel right and not trying to worry too much about, you know, 
everything's always been this way. So I have to do it the same way or whatever. And I think that's extremely good advice to try to simplify because, you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to make sure you do everything and market the same exact way when reality, it's not going to be yeah. the exact way. So simplifying it makes sense mm-hmm. where, you know, you have this wonderful book, The Future Widow. And I know that there are going to be people that are listening to this who may be in the same space, who may not have heard your podcast, who may not even have known now, you know, that you've existed, but now they do. Um, Where can they follow you because they want to get more information? They want to get the book of which we will have in the show notes. So do not be afraid if you're working out or if you're doing something and you're not actively where you can write this down. All this information will always be in the show notes so that you can click on it and get the information. Where can they follow, you know, if you have some social media sites that they can follow you on, where can they follow you? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, So futurewidowbook.com is the best place to get to the book. And so basically there's a little bit, you know, about the book and all the retailers where you can can find it. And um, there is actually a special button on there. Um, right now I'm doing a Black Friday um, special on signed hardcovers, like okay. so for ho- holiday gifts or, you know, gifts for yourself. Because here's the other thing, like, I didn't think of this ahead of time, like, okay, well, now I'm going to be buying my own Christmas gift. So, right. Like, so buy yourself a gift. <laughs> anyway, that's um, uh, futurewidowbook.com. And then everything my main, you know, website with all the podcast stuff, all the social media links, widowedparentpodcast.com um, will take you to everything there. And actually, you know what I should mention for people who are listening, who are not widowed parents. Right. Um, I have another resource because one of the things that I did, I, you know, throughout this whole eight months that my husband was sick, we were tremendously lucky that we had so much support from the people around us. And I learned so much from them about how to be a good grief ally. Yes. Right. Yes. And because it's hard, it's not obvious. I, you know, I'm sure I did so many things wrong before this, I mean, not sending the condolence card because I didn't know what to say, mm-hmm. you know, not saying anything because I, you know, like all these crazy things. Right. And I learned from watching how all these people supported us. And so I've got a, 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 a well, it's called the grief allies toolkit um that's got you know a whole bunch of tips and information that people have told me is really helpful to in terms of like thinking about how to be a better supporter of the people in your life and you know unfortunately right now there's so i think there's what 750,000 people now who have died with the pandemic mm. plus everybody who's died from all the other causes of death that we always have with us accidents and illnesses right. and everything else right so um, a great asset for a lot of people to know what they can say, do how they really can support and not, you know, mess up and say the wrong thing or offend someone or feel like they're going to offend someone when they try to find a way to help. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, the spoiler is the main message you want to send is like, I'm here and I care and I'm not running away. Right. And there's, then there aren't any magic words to fix it so don't you don't have to like worry that well i don't have the magic right magic words so therefore i'm not going to say anything i'm not going to do anything right and so um yeah if people are interested in downloading that it's free uh griefallies.com they can find uh your link to download um, that there and i hope that'll be a helpful resource to people that's amazing because you know like i said i think everyone can benefit from that we all will unfortunately deal with some form of grief 
And so maybe it's not a, a, the widow or they're not being in a situation where they're becoming a widow. But like I said to you before we started recording, my mother was very wise in telling me that, you know, you never know when you'll be single. And that could be from any, you know, aspect. And, you know, unfortunately, being prepared or not necessarily you can ever be prepared, but having that mindset that at any given time you could be doing like you were doing, you know, stepping in to be that single parent without it being planned. Um, there was no planning for that. And obviously, you know, you're doing what you have to do um, to support yourself and your family, but also being a blessing to other people, because again, sharing your story, being vulnerable, and then turning into something that you feel like it's a, a, a calling, you know, for mm. you to help other people. That's amazing, because not too many people are able to do what you're doing. And I believe that because it's inside of you to do that, it's going to grow and grow and grow and be a great support to other people. And I think that's really what it's truly about helping somebody else in their moments after you've, you know, gone through them so that you can be helpful to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Every well, thank you. That's come through here has been, I have, I don't, it's always, an, it, it's not a weird, but it's always amazing how I will link up with someone and I'll be like, what's your topic? And we'll talk. And I'm like, you know what? You were meant to be in that space. And unfortunately with the circumstances, obviously no one wants that, but now that you're in it, you know, that calling to be that voice, you know, like you said, you're asking the questions to the experts that are there of questions you would have wanted to ask or questions somebody else may have even leaned into you and said, can you ask? Like you're hmm. being that voice. You're, you know, standing, like you said, standing in the gap for somebody hmm. else. So yeah. I, I, that's a blessing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm, what I hope I'm doing, what I'm trying to do, what I, you know, I, and it's great to hear from listeners when they say that, you know, something, you know, or readers now with the book, you know, that something has been really helpful to them. And um, it's always, because that is why I'm doing it, right? And if it's not helping anybody, then I shouldn't be doing it. But um, I hear that it is. So that's, that's nice. That's, that's what we want to do. And, and you know what, you're leaving your mark. You're leaving your mark on other people after everything is said and done. You're leaving your mark where other people can read and they can feel like they can make it through a better day because they've read something that you've been through, um, even in the most difficult situations. Because I, I, I'm, I, I know I keep saying it, but I am a firm believer that we're nothing just happens by accident. So it's not an accident that you came on this this show to speak because somebody may be listening that may need to hear this. And they mm -hmm. need to come through this channel to hear that. And now they're going to be able to get that resource, that, those resources that you have and, and try to fill and build a support system around themselves that they may not even have thought about having because they thought they had to be a strong person and hold everything together and, and keep everything together on their own, mm -hmm. especially yeah. in moments when they've been used to having that other partner there. And now they're like, you know, I'm protecting this whole fort. I'm protecting this whole house. Now I'm going to do it all my, you know, myself. I don't need any help. And, you know, you, you, you said about just asking for help and allowing other people to help. And I hope mm. that somebody's listening. That's a, that's a, a word right there, a whole lesson right there, receiving help. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Not always being strong and feeling like you have to take on the world by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We are going to link, and when I say link everything, everything will be clickable. You know how we do. Everything will be clickable in the show notes. Make sure that you support her book. Um, like she said, give it, give a gift to yourself, give a gift to someone else. 
you never know somebody else reading that and where that then will go. Somebody else will give it to someone else and somebody else will give that to someone else. It's always a chain of giving. And I feel like we need to support that. Make sure you get the book. Um, listen to her podcast with a parent, because again, if you are in this moment dealing with that, or are you in the future, maybe this isn't your moment right now. And unfortunately you may deal with this in your future. You want to know where you can go to get somebody who has been there, done that, and is still in the trenches with you as they're going through their own um, exploration of their healing. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Thank you, Toy. It's been great talking to you and your listeners. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Hold on. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.